You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores how to approach food and your body in a whole new way. I interview people who share stories and expertise in rejecting diet culture, making peace with food, and discovering a more positive, realistic, and sustainable approach to health and well-being. I'm Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and owner of Positive Nutrition, an in-person nutrition therapy practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. I offer free resources, including this podcast, a blog, and posts on social media. If you're local to Salt Lake City, check out our services and availability for appointments and keep your eyes out for in-person groups on mindfulness, intuitive eating, body image resilience, and more. Go to positive-nutrition.com and hit subscribe if you'd like to keep in touch. I also offer online courses covering topics like the science of nutrition, mindfulness, and healing your relationship with food. Check those out at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can make a difference by leaving a review, sharing with friends and family, or making a donation. Thank you so much for your support. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought at Paige Smathers RD. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. I'm Paige, your host, and I'm really excited to connect with you today. And what I'm doing is just answering some questions uh, from podcast listeners and from social media followers. So I'm excited to just dive in. And it's always so fun to just kind of connect about some of these things that have been on your mind. And I hope you find it helpful. Uh, Really quick before we get going, I just want to announce that um, coming up next week, if you happen to listen to this right as it gets released, we, in my practice, we are going to be running another round of the Body Image Resilience course that is uh, using the Beauty Redefined curriculum online, and then we meet in person in Salt Lake City to discuss it. This group is going to happen on Tuesday mornings for eight consecutive weeks starting on April 23rd. So if you're local to Salt Lake City, if you're interested in that, um, head on over to positive-nutrition.com, hover over services, click on groups, and then go to the body image resilience uh, info page and then scroll all the way down to the bottom and fill out an interest form. Um, Or you're always welcome to just go to the show notes and take a look there to be able to fill out those, uh, the the interest form. That group will be led by Katie Davis, who is a dietitian in my practice And she's fabulous and wonderful, and um, we're really, really excited to run this group. So if you are interested, head on over there to let us know you're interested. Um, Other than that, it's just always great for people to know that I have many uh, resources available for you and for the general public. Uh, I run this podcast as an effort to try to promote evidence-based nutrition and compassionate nutrition. Um, there's also a blog associated with the website, positive-nutrition.com. So if you or somebody you love kind of prefers the written word over listening, um, check that out as well. There's a lot of great resources there, a couple years worth of blogging. And then you can always find me on social media at Paige Smathers RD. I focus most of my effort on Instagram and Facebook. And then if you're interested in taking things a little bit further, I do have a few resources online as well. So at this point in recording this podcast, I have three online courses. Um, They all kind of vary in price and vary in uh, kind of who the audience 
is ideal or who the content is ideal for. So the first of my online courses is Positive Nutrition for Life, Heal Your Relationship with Food. This course will take you about three to six months to complete. It is pretty in-depth in terms of journaling and prompts to really, really help the stuff sink in. Um, that's my most extensive course. And then my other course that I really, really am so proud of is Positive Nutrition 101 that I co-teach with Jesse Hoffman. Um, she was on the podcast in our last episode. So if you're interested in the science of nutrition, but you don't want to deal with all the gimmicky uh, stuff that typically is associated with that, check out that course. Um, you can find all of these courses at positive-nutrition.com academy. And then the last course that I recently added is the Mindful Eating Workshop that I put on two times last year. This time, this time last year, I put on this workshop twice with my friend Noah Rochetta, who's the host of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. He is a phenomenal mindfulness teacher and just such a wonderful person. And we teamed up to talk about mindfulness and how it relates to food. Now, when we did that, many, many people requested that we turn it into an online course. And so we finally were able to do that a few weeks ago and we released it through the Positive Nutrition Academy. So check that one out as well. That one's the cheapest of the online courses. It's something you could theoretically do all in one day um, or spread it out over a couple of weeks to kind of let stuff sink in. Um, that one I'm super excited about and proud of as well. So the other thing to know about the Positive Nutrition Academy is that I, I am adding webinars, which is just like an hour or an hour and a half uh, little lessons to the Academy all the time. So every other month I'm putting on a webinar. Um, one month it will be for the lay public and the next month it will be for registered dietitians and I typically will also be able to provide continuing education. So if you're interested in sort of little bursts of information rather than the online course version, uh, feel free to subscribe to the website so that you'll be able to hear about those upcoming webinars. And then if a webinar has already happened that you are interested in, be sure to check out uh, the Positive Nutrition Academy because they're all going to be available um, to anybody at any time once they're recorded. So you're, you can sign up for the, the actual live recording and then you can ask questions or you can always uh, access it after the fact through the Academy. So this is a really fun um, aspect of my job right now, which is just to kind of continually put out content. Um, I do that with the podcast, but the the Academy stuff is more visually uh, appealing, meaning like there's a PowerPoint and there's also a direct-to-camera um, video of me as I'm teaching, which is really, uh, really nice to be able to kind of have some things to look at and have some materials, some handouts, um, and some kind of takeaway things beyond just kind of the words. So if that's interesting to you, be sure to check that out. Uh, you can always click the link in the show notes here or just go to positive-nutrition.com slash academy. Okay, with that, let's get into some of these questions. So I'm just going to go through them as they were asked to me sort of in the order. I might not, I might not be able to get to all of them just because there were a lot of questions that came through. Um, but let's, let's, let's go for it. All right. So the first question I got was, how can I ease the anxiety of rest and eating recovery amounts compared to others? So uh, let me just put this question into context for those of you who might not understand why this question is being asked. So um, when someone is in recovery from an eating disorder, 
and it, eating disorders take many forms and can look very different person to person. But what I'm assuming this person who asked this question is is talking about is the idea of maybe um, maybe moving too much, maybe too much exercise was a part of their struggle with food, um, and maybe not eating enough. So a combination of over-exercising and under-eating. And then now that they're in recovery and receiving treatment for their eating disorder, um, they're needing to eat more food and they're needing to rest more. And this can really be tricky because it's so easy to kind of get caught in this comparison trap of what are the people around me eating and how do I measure up and am I eating more than them? And oh no, if I'm eating more than them, what does that mean about me? And what are they thinking of me? Um, This can really, really get confusing and difficult to navigate. So first of all, I just want to say I feel for you. I know that this is really tough. Another thing I want to say is um, we don't really know how much other people eat. So when you're socially eating around someone, I would really encourage you to be very open-minded about the fact that um, a lot of people will sort of eat in a performative way. And what I mean by that is they'll eat in a way that sort of they think other people want to see. And then when they're in their quiet moments, maybe they eat a little bit differently. Now, I I tell my clients this all the time, but I have this advantage of sitting and talking with people about what they eat all day long. So because I have such an insight into what people really do versus what they kind of look like they're doing, and I know that that can not really be the same thing in many cases, um, when I'm eating socially, I really try to just remember, like, Uh, Just because that person ate that small amount right here doesn't mean that that's all they've eaten in their day. doesn't mean that I know anything about them other than um, what's going on with them right this moment. They could be dealing with something. They could be really, really struggling and kind of eating in a way that they think looks uh, good on the outside. Or they could have just showed up to this eating experience with me and they're just not that hungry. And that could just be totally the truth for them. And they could have a really positive, healthy, happy relationship with food. Um, But they're just, they're eating a certain amount around you just because of what their body's communicating their needs as. So this can be really tough because it's so easy to compare what we're eating with what someone else is eating. But in the end, what I really, really encourage all of us to work on is just being okay with trusting that your body will help you know how much to eat. Now, if you are in a place with your recovery where you're not able to really connect to those cues, that's fine. Trust the meal plan that you and your dietitian have come up with together. Trust that that will be um, a good amount of food for your body to work with. And I know that that's difficult, but if you are at the point where you can connect to those cues, just trust that if you are connecting to your cues, and you feel really hungry that day, and you're eating more food than someone else you're with, that's okay. Um, You don't know what they're doing later. You don't know what their body's communicating to you. All you know is what you need. And so I think the whole comparison game around food is just such a trap. I mean, it's, it's a trap in general. But can you kind of replace that tendency to compare and instead just connect to trust and self-compassion? Um, What would you say to a friend who was struggling with this? What would you say if your best friend said, man, I just feel so ashamed that I'm eating um, more than this other person in my life? My guess is you'd say, you know what? It's okay. What does your body need? 
Um, it's okay to honor your body. It's okay to trust it. It's okay to eat more food than someone else. Different people have different appetites. Um, also, this all, everything I've already said relates really well to exercise as well. So, you know, different different bodies will need different about, amounts of movement, um, different histories. So if you've struggled with over-exercising, you very, very, very well may need to take a break from exercise. And you very well may need to get more skilled at resting and more used to the idea of not moving your body all the time. Um, so how can you ease the anxiety of rest and eating recovery amounts compared to others? I think ultimately what I'm trying to say is really try to work on not comparing and try to just work on self-compassion and trust instead. And also, can we get more comfortable with the discomfort of kind of eating differently and or resting differently than others around us? There is some discomfort that can come with that difference, but can we get a little bit more skilled and comfortable with that discomfort? I would say if we can work on that too, that would be that would give us such an advantage in life in general because life is uncomfortable. Okay. Um, another question I got was how did I, Paige, get into nutrition and dietetics? So I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. Um, so if you've already if you already know this story, uh, forgive me. But um, I actually was one of those rare people that knew that I wanted to go into nutrition. Uh, since I was 14 years old. So I, I remember this so clearly. I was sitting in a career day in my high school when I was a freshman, and I listened to a dietitian talk about her job, and I thought, you know what? That's exactly what I want to do. And then I just kind of never changed my mind. So one of the couple things that really drew me to nutrition were were the fact that I was um, I was a really active athlete in high school. I loved sports. It was a huge, huge part of my life. And I was really interested to learn more about nutrition and its effect on performance. Um, I also had a mom who, I still have a mom, who is an amazing cook. And so I lo I've always loved sitting on the counter with her as a little kid, um, cooking with her, baking with her. And so food has a lot of fond memories for me. And um, I, as a, as a young kind of high school student, I really felt like Naively, I wanted to learn the truth about nutrition, quote unquote. I wanted to, I felt like there were so many competing things that were being said to me about nutrition and I just kind of wanted to feel like I knew what the truth was. So, um, you know, spoiler alert, I feel like the more I've studied nutrition, the more questions I have uh, rather than answers. But uh, it's, it's really fascinating that it was something I kind of decided at age 14 and I just never changed my mind. I was always open to changing my mind, but this is just um, what I love to do. I love the fact that nutrition is sort of this door into talking about more important things like trust and compassion and kindness and um, kind of it's really, really about like how human beings work. And I just find that really fascinating. And I think that as we work on our relationships with food, we also can work on our um, kind of bigger, more abstract concepts in life that really matter to us. So I just love nutrition because it gives us such a window into practicing some of the things that I think are the most meaningful and important things of being human. Um, and that's actually a lot what my online course, Positive Nutrition for Life, is all about. It's all about kind of how food can 
can teach us some of these bigger concepts that really help us live healthier, happier, fuller lives. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Um, another question I got was, how do you handle it when your kids are exposed to diet culture messages? Ooh, um, so my kids are almost five and almost seven. So I have to say, like, I'm definitely not a parenting expert. I don't claim to be. Um, I'm always learning. Things are always changing. The minute I think I have something figured out as a parent, things change. <laughs> so take what I say with a grain of salt here. Um, so I have found myself relaxing a little bit. I found myself uh, in the beginning when my kids were going to school and getting kind of exposed to these messages, I felt just so much rage and anger and mama bear tendencies to just protect and yell at people. Not really, but I just wanted to. <laughs> And as they've gotten, you know, a little bit further on into school and I've seen this stuff kind of come up multiple times, I still have a reaction for sure. Um, but what I'm finding myself doing is I'm finding myself sort of trusting them, trusting that they're really smart and trusting that the, the conversations we have at home are, um, is really all I can do. And you know, continually having an open dialogue of what did you learn at school? How did that make you feel? What do you think about that? What do we say about food? What do we think about bodies? Um, kind of trying to teach them critical thinking and just trusting that it's got to be good enough. You know, like I can't protect them from every single um, negative body or nutrition message that's out there. I can do my part to kind of limit exposure, but in the end, they're going to be exposed. So I found it helpful to just trust that they're smart and they're resilient and that we're talking and I'm trying to cultivate uh, critical thinking in my in my little ones. Uh, to me, that's sort of where I'm at right now. Another element of this, though, is, you know, the the diet culture messages that are, you know, around the dinner table or when we have friends over or when we have family visiting and things just kind of come up. And again, like this might not be at all intentional and they might not even really realize how much a little um, seven-year-old's ears can really pick up on so many of these messages. So, you know, I, I am a regular boundary setter in, in social contexts, in family and in friends. And um, I just, I really, I, I can stand the diet culture messages when it's me a whole lot more than I stand for it when my kids are around. So, you know, I've been known to say stuff like, oh, let's not talk about that in, uh, uh, right now. Or tell me more about that in a few minutes. Um, and then I kind of give them a look like because the kids are here, you know. Um, or I will just really kind of bluntly change the subject. Or um, I'll just kind of interrupt them and say, oh, let's not, let's not talk about that Well. Little ears are present. So I do that. And I think because people know what I do for li a living, I think I have an advantage of sort of people don't really want to talk about food around me a whole lot, which hallelujah. Um, I'd rather talk about anything else, honestly, when I'm in a social situation. So I am not afraid to set a boundary. I'm not afraid to kind of pull people aside and say, hey, I totally know that you don't mean anything by this and it's super innocent, but um, here's why we don't really talk about that around, around the kiddos. And, um, the response I've gotten has been really good. So I think it, it can feel confrontational to set a boundary, but I've actually shifted my perspective on that too. I think it's actually 
very true what Brene Brown says about boundaries, which is, you know, it really helps us love people better. If we help people know how to love us in terms of like, what do we need from them? And what does this relationship look like? Um, it's so much easier to receive love and give love when boundaries are present. So I actually see it as a compassionate thing to set a boundary rather than a confrontational thing. And obviously, you know, you want to do it in a sensitive way and you don't want to shame them or embarrass them, but there's nothing wrong with like pulling someone aside and just having a quick conversation or in the moment just saying, oh, let's, let's talk about anything else right now. Um, so yeah, good luck out there, guys. It's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a tricky world. Okay. Someone asked me if it's okay to skip breakfast. Um, whew, I would have so many questions about this. Um, I'd say, <laughs> I don't even know where I want to go with this on the podcast, but I would say, you know, if you're in treatment for an eating disorder, if you're seeing a registered dietitian, uh, always trust the advice and the uh, medical nutrition therapy you are receiving from a registered dietitian above and beyond anything you see on social media or even scientific studies, because what your dietitian is doing is she or he is uh, using clinical judgment to support you in what he or she has determined is best for you, given your medical history, given your current struggles, and given um, your current nutrition status. So um, that's my sort of uh, warning or disclaimer here. Is it okay to skip breakfast? Um, I, I kind of don't want to give a dogmatic response to this. Um, I'd say for me in my own life, it's not okay. And the reason I know it's not okay is because it doesn't work for me. It's because what happens for me when I skip a meal is I think about food so much. I can't do my job. I can't use my brain. I can't live my life the way I want to live it when I don't have adequate nourishment. And what ends up happening is my body is super smart. And I notice that if I skip a meal, I end up eating what I would have eaten um, just later on in my day. So for me, it's like, what works best? What's what's going to give me uh, the result I want, which is, you know, being able to live my life to its fullest is regular, satisfying, filling and nourishing meals. So that's, you know, minimum breakfast, lunch, dinner, plus probably, you know, a couple snacks in there as well. So um, is it okay to skip breakfast? Like theoretically, yeah, I guess. Um, but Really, my question to you would be, A, what's the intention behind skipping? And B, um, how does that work for you? And can you experiment with what it feels like to, to nourish yourself regularly and adequately versus skipping meals here and there? Do you notice a difference in your life? Um, I would say most people do. Most people really feel so, so, so much better when they're coming from a place of being nourished and being satisfied. So. Um, from a nutrition perspective and from, you know, the perspective of the work I do, I would say, you know, I, I kind of bristle at, at dogmatism when it comes to nutrition, but like really, you know, breakfast is important. And I would really be curious as to why, why you want to skip or why you're considering skipping a meal. And then I'd also be curious to explore how does that work for you and what are the, the consequences down the line for that behavior or for that choice. Um, and so this is sort that's sort of a very broad answer, quote unquote, to that question. But really, I would I would explore the question 
a lot with you. If you were my client, I would say, okay, tell me more about why you're asking this. Um, what's this about? What's the intention? What part of you is sort of coming up here? Okay. Another great question was bingers versus restrictors. Are there differences in how you help those two types of eaters? Uh, I love this question so much. Thank you for asking it. Whoever you are out there, really brilliant question. Um, yeah, there are differences in uh, the struggles of those who struggle with binging versus those who struggle with restriction. However, I will say that restriction is very much typically the thing that leads to binging. So um, you typically don't see binging just kind of out of nowhere. Usually there's some form of restriction, whether that's a diet or whether that's a lack of access to food or whether that's um, a mental restriction of saying like, I can't have this food. It's so bad for me. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. That can also be a form of restriction. Even if outwardly you're eating all the food, if inwardly you're, you're beating yourself up and shaming yourself about good versus bad, that can also lead to um, similar consequences of actual physical restriction. So yeah, there's differences in treatment and in maybe behaviors of folks who struggle with the two kind of ends of the spectrum. But what I would say is there's a lot of similarities as well. And really in the end, um, it's a, it's about establishing regular, consistent, um, adequate, nourishing, satisfying meals, finding a way to approach food that is going to give you the energy that you need for your brain to function so you can engage in therapy and whatever else you need to be doing on the mental health side of things. And, um, and really to, to learn concepts like trust and compassion and um, honoring your body and um, acceptance and committing to uh, your, your values and what's most important to you. So yeah, there's definite distinctions in the way that someone might present with these two different, different uh, struggles and also maybe differences in treatment. But what I would say is there's um, there's a lot more that unites us uh, in terms of how we might struggle with food. And there's so many similarities regardless of what behaviors look like as far as what why we struggle and kind of what the, the underlying causes or reasons are. And this is one of the things that I love most about running groups, um, nutrition groups, is really kind of seeing a wide variety of people who struggle in different ways with food. And then also to see how by the end of eight or 10 weeks together, uh, folks are realizing, wow, there's so much that unites us. There's so much that is similar about us. Um, even though we might struggle differently, we have so much that, that, that we can relate to and that kind of binds us together, which I think is a really uh, cool part of kind of that community aspect of struggles with food. Sometimes that comparison tendency of like, well, if you look that way and I look this way, then we obviously don't have much in common, but really starting to recognize um, so much of it is the same. So much of the struggle is the same, regardless of the way we look or regardless of the behaviors that we, that we engage in. Okay. Um, Okay, someone asked, what are your thoughts about someone who is recovering and going into dietetics? Um, I think 
that there are so many examples of amazing dietitians and therapists and people in this space who have their own story of struggling with an eating disorder. Um, I think that it's not fair to say, like, nobody who has a history can ever go into this field. I think it's also really, really important that all of us, regardless of our history with an eating disorder or body image concerns or food issues, um, I think it's important that all of us do our own work around um, bodies, around nutrition, around sort of um, like, like the psychology and the mental health side of doing this work. I think it's important regardless of your history. So I would just say all of us should be engaging in our own um, therapy, in our own supervision, in our own sort of self-care around a really kind of expansive and difficult topic like food and bodies. Um, however, I think that each of us have a unique voice. And um, one of the things I like to say when I'm in front of a bunch of dietitians or dietetic students is if, if I'm giving a presentation to them, one of the things I like to say is, you know, if you don't look like me, um, that's good. Like, don't take that as, oh, I can't be a dietitian because I don't look like Paige or because I don't look like all the other dietitians I see. So what I'm really referring to is body size. I'm referring to skin color. I'm referring to background. I'm referring to um, socioeconomic status. <laughs> all of these different elements. Like, if you don't look like me, we need you. So uh, that's important. It's important for this profession to have diverse voices as far as you know, history, experience, backgrounds, um, how we approach this work, what our talents are, what our voice is, what we're good at. We need you. We need more of you. So don't let a struggle with food hold you back from helping others with food. However, what I would say is it's important for all of us to do our own work as well. So, um, you know, I would explore that question in therapy as well um, with a trusted provider. Okay, I have time for probably one more question, and then I better hop off. Um, but this has been so fun. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, last question. Someone asked, I'm getting tripped up with intuitive eating when it comes to feeling sick when I eat certain foods. Um, this is such an open-ended question, so I'm not totally sure how to answer it. But what I will say is um, intuitive eating is... We, we can get really tripped up when we look at it like it is this checkbox. Um, rather than saying, okay, I need to become an intuitive eater, so I need to do X, Y, and Z things, and if I'm doing that, then I'm, then I'm good. Rather than that, let's look at intuitive eating as a framework. Let's look at it as the goal is not to become an intuitive eater. The goal is to approach food in a way that's helping you live the life you want to live. So when we switch from kind of the checklist mentality to the, okay, what do I need to do to make things work for me? Um, I think it's really liberating because then we don't feel like we need to fit ourselves into a certain mold, but instead we can be expansive and we can explore and we can experiment, we can be curious. So if a certain food is making you sick, um, first of all, I would be very curious, are you afraid of this food? Or do you have a lot of associations with this food? Do you... Um, in your brain, are you spinning a mile a minute thinking, oh my gosh, this food is so bad for me, I shouldn't be eating it. Um, that very well could be creating some symptoms of feeling sick when you eat it. 
So sometimes we associate sickness with a certain food that really it's more about um, how we're approaching it. So if that really rings true for any of you listening, I really recommend working with a dietitian to try to kind of break that down and explore that. However, if it's like a true um, intolerance or something like that, like let's say, okay, it's pretty well established that when you drink milk, you have a ton of bloating and you feel really super sick and you're really gassy. Okay, so if you're like, yes, I'm pretty sure I'm lactose intolerant, but intuitive eating says I should give myself permission to eat all foods, but I feel sick when I drink milk. Um, intuitive eating, you know, from the intuitive eating perspective, this is a self-care model. So if we're wanting to care for ourselves well, and we know that something we're doing is making us sick, um, from the intuitive eating perspective, it's about, uh, you know, providing good quality, positive self-care. So in that regard, it would be really helpful to say, would I serve my best friend milk if I knew it made her sick? Well, if the answer is, I'm hoping the answer is no, I wouldn't want my friend to feel sick. So maybe I would come up with different options um, so that she could go on to live her day and not have a stomachache all day. Uh, in that regard, if, if certain foods are making you sick, from the intuitive eating perspective, it's not saying you need to, to keep eating those things. However, I think it's really important that if you know that you need to have some type of restriction due to a true intolerance or an allergy, it's still important to kind of talk to yourself from this permissive place. So what I mean by that is it's important to say, I can drink milk. I physically could put that into my body. However, it really doesn't feel good for me and it doesn't help me live the life I want to live. It doesn't help me have the energy I want to have. It doesn't help me feel the way I want to feel. So for that reason, I choose, I'm choosing not to drink this milk right now. Um, instead of saying, I can't have that, I can't have that, it can be helpful to say, I can, I just, I just don't. Um, that might seem like a slight change and a kind of a picky difference. But what I found in practice is that you know, even people who have deathly allergies to a certain food, when it's so interesting to, to observe the fact that a lot of times these people still crave those foods, they still want them. And so I think part of that is just this kind of psychological thing where when we tell ourselves we can't have it, we want it. So when we say, I can, I just choose not to because it doesn't help me do what I want to do in life, um, that approach can be a whole lot more helpful. Okay, so I received so many more questions than this, so I'm sorry I didn't, wasn't able to get to everything, but I hope that this felt helpful. I hope that um, periodically doing a Q&A is helpful for all of you in your intuitive eating journeys and in your journey to make peace with food. Don't forget, if you want a little bit more support, check out the Positive Nutrition Academy and sign up for a course if that feels like a good fit for you. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you in a couple weeks for another episode.